welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, also known as Wolf. And with me tonight is Anthony and... Oh, now you oh, want me to talk. Okay. okay. I wasn't going to say because you always... Dude, this guy, dude. Noodles. Noodle arm guy who's little noodle arm guy. Lord okay. Udon. Realm of the Mushus. Oh, my God. Mr. Noodle of Elmo's World. Got me there on the... Uh, okay, yeah. I was like, I was going to let you say it this time because you... Never mind. Who cares? Okay. Anyways, folks, you see what I got to deal with? Do you Maybe see it? second guessing. You'll never know what I have in mind. Never know what's going to happen with Mr. Oodle Noodle, whatever you call yourself. Oodle. See, that's what I'm talking about. You keep changing your nickname every week. I don't know what you're called. Like, one week you're Dragon, the next week you're... Yeah, I don't know what I'm Pony Boy going to be next week. Yeah, I was watching uh, The Outsider, so. Oh, really? Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, you're definitely a weirdo outsider, so. So, fo- so folks, here's what we got tonight. We got a show, but before that, let's get into some stuff here. Josh Turner, PRTPodcast.com. That's my email address. Take it out. Check it out. Uh, send me your stories, or you can make friends with me on Facebook, because I'm very... Uh, open to just being friends with people that I know in my real life or that I are, are listeners of the show. When someone sends me a, a, a friend request, and I'll tell you what happened uh, the other day, someone sent me a friend request and I'm like, do you listen to the show? And they're like, nope. And so I deleted their friend request with no further cause to talk to them, right? And then they messaged me back and they're like, well, that was rude. And I'm like, look at the way you answered me. And like, nope, like you had no interest in it at all or even asking what PRT was. And the guy's like, well, what is it? I said, don't worry about it. <laughs> we have a bunch of mutuals. And then he messages me back and says, oh, yeah, okay. A bunch of people that know you know me, blah, blah, blah. And and I said, will you add me as your friend? And I said, nope. And so and then we just kind of had a laugh about it. And when he laughed, I thought, okay, he's being a good sport. So then I added him and we became cool. And he says, sorry if I came off as rude or whatever. And I didn't know what PRT was. Paranormal Roundtable explained it. Yeah, okay. Obviously, didn't really watch a show because we call it PRT. So I, and that's how I know. If I say, are you, you listen to PRT, then I know. But it would make it much easier if you would just send me a friend request and just say, hey, I listen to the show. So do me do me that courtesy and and I'll prove you. Uh, also, I am on Instagram as Josh Turner 940 on Instagram and go in and hit me up on Instagram. We can be friends there too. We can hang out. Uh, Tony? PRT Mushu on Instagram. I have the same handle on Facebook. Uh, I also have my regular personal account that I have on Facebook. You can friend me on any of those, and I don't have any friends, so just go ahead. I'll accept you no matter what. Jeez, that's that's, that's pretty desperate. He's <laughs> 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 like, okay. I'm lonely. So, Help me. <laughs> so that being said, uh, that's Tony's information. That's my information. Now, we do uh, still have tickets left for the conference. We are The tickets have picked up quite a bit, so I'm actually happy about that. Um, but the tickets are at the, it's on Eventbrite. You go to Eventbrite, and it is listed under Paranormal Roundtable Presents Second Annual Dogman Cryptid Conference. Okay? So go to Paranormal Roundtable Presents uh, Second Annual Dogman Cryptid Conference and get your tickets, and please show up uh, over in Fort Worth uh, to meet us and hang out with us. bunch of great people are going to be there. Too many people to list right here and because uh, it'll eat too far into the show. But we also have a Facebook group. And if you uh, w- go to the group after the show, we always drop the link on there. And we, when it says on there, official link, if you leave a comment on there, guess what? You could win a prize, which is an autographed book or who knows what, but typically an autographed book from one of many authors like Nick Redfern, Ken Gerhard, Lyle Blackburn, Barton Nunley, or David Weatherly. So go over there and, and 
Go and like and subscribe to the show, please. Uh, and don't forget to join the Paranormal Roundtable Facebook group. Be a part of the uh, Paranormal Roundtable Facebook family. Uh, Nelly has a show also called Paranormal Lounge. Join that. And then in Humanoids of Barton Nunley, I'm an admin in that. And then we also have a Paranormal Prayer Group. Don't forget about that. So if you need prayers or crests or anything like that, you can go. And if you're not, even if you're not a, a person that believes in God or Christ, whatever, you need somebody to pray for you and you feel like you're, you're in need. Okay. Just, you know, we, we don't push people away. Here's the thing. We, we got to say this, and I have to say this, the Friday live stream and then a Sunday live stream we do now really want you to show up. If you're only listening to the show on the podcast form on Spotify, which seems to be very popular, we do like you listening to Spotify, but we got to get you to go to live stream because you're missing out on a ton of content and you can interact if you show up when it's live in the live chat. Now, if you don't, if you miss that, don't worry. You can always go and listen to the archives, and you can go back and listen to that show, and then you or whatever episode you want. There's a ton of content on there. Just go back and listen. You're really missing out about like two thirds of content that we produce on YouTube exclusively. I mean, we 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 do the podcast and obviously put them out on every platform, but really a lot of the content is going to be on those. Uh, lives and uh, another thing we have is the Patreon, which you can find at uh, patreon.com slash PRT podcast. We have a ten, twenty dollar, and thirty dollar tier. Uh, the twenty and thirty dollar tier is if you sign up for those, then you get a swag bag immediately. And the ten dollar tier, if you're uh, if you sign up for that for about three months, then you'll get your swag bag. And we try to give them out, and you know we try to give you guys something for helping us out. And it means a lot to us, so we try to give you something so it means a lot to you as well yeah and so don't forget in, in each swag bag is the $20 and the $10 are the same except it takes three months to get the $10 one you get automatic on the $20 tier $30 tier you get a super swag and so, if, you, if you can't find it or if I said it then you couldn't hear it then you're always going to find everything you need in the description of every YouTube video uh, Anthony works a lot really hard to make sure that they're always in there and if you go to Patreon and, and what is it? Patreon.com slash PRT podcast. Yep. Got it. Yeah. So you go to that Patreon, sign up, and then you automatically get it. You don't have to wait. You know, once you've paid the $30, whatever, you know, and you can cancel at any time and you get your swag because we want you to wear our merchandise. We want you to wear that hoodie. We want you to wear that shirt and drink out of that tumbler and use it and the stickers and everything you get and the books that we send you. Mm -hmm. We want you to read them. Those are our friends. Look, here's the thing. If you join that, even like right now today, you go join that or whatever, you'll be on your way to having that swag. But what you got to do is send me a message on Patreon, through Patreon, saying, hey, look, Bozo, I'm a $30 tier now. You know, you need to send me my stuff. It's my stuff and I want it now. And so if you do that, send the message on Patreon, I'll respond and then give me your address and your shirt size. That's very important. People keep forgetting to do that. And then I got to go follow up with them and then it becomes a big whatever. So that being said, thank you for being here. We're going to get started. We're going to talk about some dog man tonight. So let me get started with the first episode or first uh, story. Now this one I was kind of excited about and because this one came from a security guard um, and it happened to two different security guards. And I've interviewed them both, and I thought, and and one of them, uh, he doesn't speak really good English. Um, he's from the Middle East, and the other guy kind of declined to come on. He's an older gentleman and didn't really know how he'd feel, if he'd feel comfortable coming on telling the story. 
I really wanted him to tell the story to you himself, but I'm the second best thing so I can get it done. Here's what happened. Now, we've discussed ghosts and other things and uh, werewolf-type creatures, dogman, whatever, on construction sites. We worked on construction sites, and that's how we got some of the stories that we got in one of the most famous being the Hernandez Ranch episodes. Those guys gave us all kinds of information, um, and it came from working with them at a construction site. Well, I got this one through a friend of mine who said, hey, you know, I know you work security, and I got a guy who needs a job. Well... I talked to this guy, and this actually happened down in Houston, and this guy, it, the money wasn't you know where he wanted it to be to come and relocate to come over here and work. So I said, that's fine. Um, and this actually happened out in Katy. You know where Katy's at? Right outside of Houston? Yes, yeah. Uh, of I-10? So, yeah. yeah. They were building a subdivision out there a couple years ago, and this individual, he said, dude, I, not only did this happen to me, but it happened to a friend of mine. Um, and he's from the, his friends from Jordan and his friend told me some crazy stuff too. I thought he spoke good enough English to come on the show, but just like our friend from El Salvador, he didn't really feel comfortable because they feel self-conscious about the way they talk. But I think it's the accent. I think he sounds fine. Like Phil Stern from Germany is the same thing. You know, it's like whatever. But anyway, what, what, what happened to these guys would scare the crap out of anybody it happened to. Like if it happened to me, I, you know, what I saw when I was 15, it was scary, but it was kind of at a distance. And then there was a fence between us at one point. And like, this was terrifying. I would say this is right up there on par with what happened to this uh, guard. Or, or it wasn't a guard, actually. It was a guy that worked for the uh, the LCRA uh, years years and years ago. This guy gave me a story and, and he was doing, uh, like he was doing his checks at a water treatment plant. And this creature like was right there in front of him. But he was armed. You know, so being a, a, a guy that who's armed, this guy in this particular scenario was not. And he was out on the edge of town. Now, I had actually read something like in a newspaper article or it was a news feed or something that I had read about somebody seeing a werewolf-looking creature right outside of Haiti, uh, Haiti Katy, Katy, Texas, which is right outside of Houston. And I didn't realize that it was like a flap that was going on right there by that subdivision that was already built. Next to this one where this guy was working. And it was in, it was in the same year. Um, but I, And I, I don't quote me. I think it was a few years ago. It was like 2018. Um, it was before the pandemic. And I remember uh, just kind of hearing about it in passing and somebody saying, hey, you know, have you, have you heard about these uh, people seeing these creatures? And I actually interviewed somebody that, that, that I might have put on the show already that saw something very similar. But what happened to this guy, though? was that he was sitting at a construction site and they had they were roommates these two guys and they shared a car so the one guy had to drive the other guy to work he'd drop him off and we know how that is and Tony one time you had to do that at Harris Ridge but mm-hmm. you weren't you didn't have a car and it's kind of creepy because if you're sitting there in a chair and you're at a construction site and something happens man you're just at the mercy of whatever you know um I like to if if I, if it's me, I'd like to sometimes take my chair and sit outside of my truck, you know, because it gets kind of hot, especially in the summertime. Um, but then at some point, I get back in my truck because sometimes I get creeped out, especially knowing what I know about what's out there. You just and, feel kind of exposed and open. Well, that's what happened to this guy. You're like a sitting duck. Yeah, especially look construction sites for security guards. At least for me personally, I feel like are some of the best sites. For this specific reason of being very quiet and peaceful, it's like you're not gonna 
see a lot of people or see a lot of things out there because they're usually in areas that are don't have a lot of thing uh, people out there. But it's also for that reason that a lot of weird stuff happens out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see weird stuff. And that place where you were at, uh, just real quick, and, and this was a kind of a spooky thing. Um, me and Nelly were working that site together uh, one night, the place that you were at, sitting by yourself out there in Pflugerville. And we saw something walk in one of those houses. It was a very large, which I think was a koi wolf. And it didn't come back out. It walked into the house because the garage door was open and the back door was open and we were using it to go to the bathroom. So I eventually had to go in there and Nelly wanted to go with me and try to tag along. And I kept telling her no. And I went in there and I searched high and low and I kept thinking that I was going to have to confront this animal and it it wasn't in there. I, I don't know where it went. The back door was closed. I don't know where it went. I was just going to ask, do you think it went out the back? I, no, it was, uh, it, was a weird, it was a weird thing. I place was full of skunks. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine, you know, sitting out there, that was one of the things that, that Scorpion complained about was the skunks would walk up horrible. to him. Yeah, and they, he, one of them walked right up to him. But th- this guard that was over there in Katy, what happened was very similar thing. He was sitting out there in front of one of the houses because it was they were all in the early stages of the construction. No electricity, nothing. So, gosh, dude, that's the worst because you don't even have like, there's no, you definitely don't have internet and all you have is your phone and he had nowhere to plug it into. So, of course, about three o'clock in the morning, his phone goes dead because he was sitting there the first night he was there. He was looking at his phone. Phone goes dead. He starts hearing this howling in the distance. Now, the howling by itself is not necessarily like, oh, okay, it could be coyotes and maybe they, they're, you know. Here in Texas, though, we have really big coyotes. So, he was kind of freaked out. And so, he kind of got scared. So, he moved himself inside of one of the houses, but there were no doors it was just basically like, you know, the wood, the frame. I yeah. mean, you know, so he's sitting there by some lumber and he said, man, I had nothing to defend myself with, but like a, like a big, you know, two by four. And he says, so I just sitting there and I hear this howling and it keeps getting closer and closer and closer. He goes, till finally it sounded like it was just on the other side of the, of the, of the comp of the site. And he goes, dude, I was terrified. He goes, and I needed to go and do my rounds and walk around, you know, and check these houses. He said there were about half a dozen that were already framed up and the rest were just slabs. And he said that they had already had lots of theft, which they'll rob you blind. And he was sitting there and he was like, dude, I heard this howling and I couldn't get it out of my head that this just did not sound natural. But nothing happened though, you know, and he's like, my phone's dead. So the next night he came. He, he made sure not to play around on his phone too much. But even, even then, about 4.30, the phone was dead. And he's like, and I didn't have a really good phone. So he goes, the first week was like that, you know. And he goes, the howling noise just kept happening. And he goes, he kept telling his friend, like, because his friend worked at a construction site that was across the highway from him. I said, he'd go by and check on him, bring him food, stuff like that. And he said, dude, I told my friend, I said, dude, I can't sit out here without a weapon or something. You know, and he goes, well, okay. You know, he goes, you're not commissioned. You can't, you know, carry a weapon, a gun anyway. Um, but he said, you know, he goes, I, I, he goes, I didn't care. I was to the point where I was like, I don't, I didn't care. I was scared, you know, but he brought a, a machete and he kept it by him because he thought that there was something out there. And he kept telling his friend, his friend's like, you're crazy, dude. You're just tripping. This, this, what are you talking about? You know? And so he said, dude, there's something out here. I keep hearing like this howling every night and it, something is moving through this property gets worse okay the 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 construction superintendent asked him if he knew anything about a giant pile of feces that was 
laid out on top of one of the piles of wood. And he's like, no. He goes, well, somebody or something took a humongous poop on there, you know, and he said it smelled terrible. And he goes uh, to to take a look, you know, and he sees it. And he's like, it was really weird. He goes, he's like, I'm, I'm over here like inspecting this poop, you know? And he goes, I look at it. And I'm thinking, there's no way a human being made this much poop. He goes, in a coyote, it's not really big enough to make that much poop. And it wouldn't, you know, he goes, I don't know. It was just weird. And he said that it added to the fear level. And he, he's at this point in, in his wildest dreams, he would never have dreamed what he th- what it ended up being. And so he said that he was, he was scared already. So he went after he fr- finally got paid, he took an advance and, and he got uh, one of those charging blocks on the, at his friend's behest today. So your phone won't go dead. Right. So he's sitting there pitch black one night and he's, he's got his flashlight and he hears something moving around and he shines the light in the direction and he sees this black furry thing. That's how he described it. Like just going across uh, the the field and going from one house behind one house to another. He stands up and he's like, he grabs the machete. He goes, I look down, my hand is shaking. He's like, and, and, I, and I'm like, I'm about to call the police. He goes, and so then I, I, I sit back down and I dial 911 and he goes, I didn't know what to tell him. And he goes, I think I have an intruder on the property. So the police showed up. They asked him if anything was going on, whatever. And he told him, he said, I thought I saw something, but, you know, some guy, he just said it was a guy. You know, he didn't say, hey, I saw a werewolf, you know, or whatever. Because at that point, he said it looked like a freaking werewolf. He said the upper body looked like it was down on all fours, but it looked weird. It looked like the rump was up too high and the shoulders were too low. Like if a man was crawling around and he goes, maybe it's a guy in a costume. You know, I just, you know. But he goes, then I put two and two together and I had to, heard the howling noise. So he told his, his uh, roommate, Sam, he said, look, I don't want to work here anymore. Let's switch sites. And Sam had the vehicle and he says, okay. He goes, but you got to use the vehicle at the other site because it's so much bigger. It was an apartment complex. So he had to drive it. So he says, okay, use the vehicle and you go sit over there. And his roommate's like, good, fine. I'm not scared, whatever. So this guy goes over there, Sam, and he sits there. The very first night he was there, he said, he goes, I hear the howling noise. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, and then I realized that Adam wasn't lying. Adam's not his real name, but he said his name starts with an A. But he said, Adam was right. There, there's something out here. And he said, dude, the next night, the next morning, we're comparing notes. And I'm like, look, I heard it at this time, blah, blah, blah. He said it was about 2.40 in the morning. And it went on to about 3.30. And he says, I told you, man, there's something out there. Well, this guy, he's actually commissioned. So he had a pistol, you know, and the other guy said if he had the money, he would have just taken one anyway, but he didn't, you know, he's broke and they were happy just to have jobs, you know what I mean? And so it was kind of like, they were just happy to be getting a paycheck. So they had to tough it out. And it was, you know, you can make a lot of hours and make a lot of money work construction sites real quick. You guys know that. So this guy was like, you know, he was, he was happy to be working, but at, he said, I don't like this situation where we're having one of us has to be out there and exposed But he said another week went by, he heard the howling noise, he saw stuff moving around, but he didn't get a good look at it. So he thought, there's no danger here. Whatever this is, it's it's harmless. It's not going to mess with you. So, boy, he he was like, dude, (laughs) I could not be more wrong. He did not realize this thing was going to mess with him in a big way. He said, I get to work. I I go over. At this point, you know, a couple weeks after they had started working there or whatever, 
or a couple of weeks after he had he had started doing the the site, you know, hearing the noises and doing and all the weird stuff, you know. And he said that uh, I decided I needed to get a vehicle, you know. So he goes, I was just waiting till payday, and I was going to go and 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 I'd already been approved, so I was going to go and put money down and get a vehicle. He's like, right, about three days left before I got it. So I figured, you know what, I'll just tough it out, man. So his boss asked him on his day off if he could cover a couple shifts over there because they had a guy that worked there on the weekends who had a vehicle. Well, that guy, there was a, there was a scheduling mix-up, so that guy shows up. And this guy tells him, oh, I thought I was supposed to be here. He goes, oh, no, I'm here. And he goes, well, okay. And he's like, you, you work here with, without a vehicle? And he says, yeah. And this guy that's in the vehicle has this big old shotgun and a pistol. He goes, well, I hope you got some weaponry out here because there's something out here. And I'm not joking, man. And he goes, even the superintendents know it too because they found poop and stuff, you know, and, and it looks like, you know, he says, and it looks almost like a bear. And the dude goes, really? And he said, the, with, from the one glimpse he had of it, it didn't, he just thought it looked like a, a wolf or something, you know? And he goes, I thought I saw it one time, but it looked like a wolf. And he goes, well, I don't know. It, it's, it, he goes, I, if, I, if I had to be real honest with you, it looks like a dang werewolf. He's like, but I know werewolves don't exist, right? And so he's just kind of laughed. And then they kind of started talking about other stuff. And then the guy drove off. Well, that obviously didn't make him feel any better about his situation because he's like, dude, I'm sitting here at this construction site and I have nowhere to get. If something happens, I am boned completely. So he goes into the back of one of the, the houses uh, about two in the morning to use the restroom. And he says, I'm, I'm sitting there and I hear a growl. And he goes, and I'm not going to lie, I was doing number one off the back porch, you know, of this property. And I look over and I see something move, like, you know, off, like move to my left. And it, it like, it moved like sideways to its left. And he's like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, there's something in this backyard with me. And he said, then it began to move toward me kind of slowly. He goes, and I had my flashlight and my hand was shaking. He goes, I was like, I wanted to, to shine the light on it. He's like, but I knew that when I illuminated whatever this was, I'm going to see exactly what it is. It's going to terrify me and I'm probably going to faint or this thing is going to, you know, react badly. So he goes, so I just, I didn't even turn the flashlight on. He goes, I just backed out slowly, slowly. And that thing just kept growling and growling. And then it growled really loud. He goes, and have you ever felt, this is what he told me. He's like, have you ever felt a growl that went right through you into your chest and it kind of rattled your organs? And I said, nah. I think so. One time, like at the zoo, I thought I heard, you know, like a, a, one of those big cats, you know, but as a child, I was young, you know, you don't really think of, of, of what they call infrasound, right? And so w when this happened, he goes, dude, I, I, I had my pistol right there on my hip, but I was too scared to even lift it. He's like, I walked backwards all the way through that house, <laughs> bumping into like, like lumber. And then I see it and it's going up onto the porch and it's starting to go toward the door. And he goes, and I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh. And he goes, so I pulled out my phone. He goes, and I, and at first he goes, I thought I'm going to call the police. He's like, but I remember, you know, a a Adam trying to do that. And he, what is he going to tell him? You know, he's like, he said, so he said, well, the first thing he did, he called Adam. He said, dude, get over here now. Cause he was about, you know, 10 minutes away. He said, just in the middle of the night, it was like a 10 minute drive. He said, just get over here now. Come on, bring me, bring me the truck. Get me out of here. Then he called the police. Police come out there. He's been out hiding in another house across the street watching that house the whole time. 
didn't see him come out anywhere. So he figured he was probably this creature, he or she, whatever it was, was walking around the, the, the behind the, the properties, right? And he said that there was like this, uh, the poles for the fence line. It wasn't a fence yet. It was just like poles or whatever. Outline. Yeah, yeah. They started putting the poles and whatever. And he said that he thought he saw something standing by one of the poles and he couldn't tell, but it was like, he thought it was peeking around the corner looking at him. The police come. As soon as the police car starts to turn into where he's at, uh, they, they, they got there unusually quick. They were right there in the area. And that thing like just darted like real quick. He saw it run and he said that had to be it right there. He saw like a shadow. And then his friend showed up right at the same time, about the time the police were showing up. And so then he, he tells him, he said, oh, I thought we, I thought I had an intruder. I saw a man. So the cop gets out and he starts walking around, goes to the back. They all go together, whatever. And then the police officers said something really weird to him. He said, have, have, do, do, can you give me a description of the suspect? And he didn't know what to say because the thing was black. And he goes, well, it was black. And he said, wait a minute, it was black. And the police officer says, is this a person or are, are we talking about something else? He goes, just be honest with me. I can take it. And his friend, Adam, just blurts out, it looks like a werewolf. <laughs> And at first, the cop, he, they thought, oh, my gosh. And he says, dude, this cop's going to start laughing. And he's going to think we're off of our, out of our off our rockers, you know? Yeah, and next time you call him when you really need him, he's not going to show gonna, up. They're, they're not going to show up. And he goes, and the, but he said, this cop pulled his gun out and says, okay. Okay. He goes, all right. So he goes, you got your weapon? And the other guy, he says, yeah. And, and, and his friend, who had just taken his commission class, was already taking liberties, you know, and was like, they were, you know, he just assumed he was whatever. So they're walking around with weapons, you know, their weapons drawn. And he, the, the police officer says, I'm going to need backup. So he calls for another police officer. That police officer took a while to show up. So they had already swept the property and gone back out by the time that guy showed up. And then they were talking and he heard the police. This is what he told me. He said he heard the police officer telling the other one saying, yeah, I think it's the same thing. And so he goes, he tells Adam, he said, did you hear them? He's, they're, they're talking. They know about this thing. They know that this thing is, you know, whatever. So the cops go back over to them. I said, look, guys, um, the best thing you could do is probably not be out here without a vehicle. Right? He goes, there's been some missing pets in the area and a previously built subdivision. They've seen some things. There's been trash cans knocked over. We don't know what we're dealing with exactly. Um, we think it might be a black bear. And he goes, brother, this is not a black bear. It's like, this is something else. And then the other cop was nodding his head, kind of in agreement going, yeah, but we're calling it a black bear. So that's, you know, kind of how that went down. So then they leave and then he tells his friend, he goes, well, I, I, you know, one of us has to go back and do the other property. And his friend's like, well, I'm not staying here. I'm not doing this. I'm not saying, you know, and he goes, well, it's my truck. I should be allowed to, you know, whatever. So he says, you know, they rock, paper, scissors, you know, kind of like just decided who was going to whatever. And he lost. So he had to stay there. So another hour goes by and he didn't see anything at that point. He was just unnerved. So he calls his friend and he says, I, I just can't stay here. I cannot. You got to come get me. I can't be here. This is not happening. This is too much for me. It's making my, my head want to explode because he goes at that point, I thought maybe I was hallucinating because I kept seeing it everywhere and I knew that wasn't correct. I blinked my eyes and it was it was gone. 
And so the, the next day they were eating uh, at, at some like Chick-fil-A or something. And one of the managers was there and he said, what do y'all do? He said, oh, we work security over there in these, you know, and he says, oh man, I wouldn't work over there, dude. He's like, my friend lives over there. He said, there's a freaking werewolf running around out there or something that looks like one, you know? And then he goes, they look at each other and they're like, actually, so they started talking to this guy about it. Well, this guy at Chick-fil-A, he's like a big devout Christian guy, whatever. And uh, he said, dude, he goes, years ago, my wife was driving home and she broke down right there in that area. And he's like, and and when when my son, who's now an adult, you know, was just a teenager, he had to go and pick her up and he wasn't a very good driver or whatever. And he ended up running off the road because he saw something dart out in front of his vehicle that looked like a freaking war werewolf, like a black, large werewolf. And when he described what his son saw and what his friend claimed, this Chick-fil-A manager's friend claimed to see, they're identical. So it's like the same thing, right? Um, so he said, dude, it was crazy. So what ended up happening, the, the the next day he called in sick because he just could not bear to go there again. And then, like I said, he only had to have another day and he was going to get a truck. So then the day comes, he goes and he gets his truck. Now they each have vehicles. He has a vehicle and his friend has a vehicle. He sells his other truck to his roommate. And like I said, they're really close, um, whatever. And so Adam is is working at the uh, other other site that requires a vehicle. And you guys know about that. Sometimes these apartment complexes, you got to have a vehicle. And then he's on the other side. And he's in his vehicle. <clears throat> well, he has to use the bathroom, and he's like, "I'm not, do I'm not using the bathroom here. I'm not going in this Porta Johns. To I'm not. I'm just he's too too afraid." So he turns to go drive out, and this thing is standing right there in front of his truck. And he said, "At this point, I got a good look at this thing, a like full bodied everything." He goes, "I looked at it. It was snarling, growling, and it was there was like saliva dripping from its mouth." And he said, dude, and I was sitting there staring at this thing and I look over and the scariest part about it was I was sitting there, he goes, and I had my window open because it was, it was hot, you know? And he said, dude, I thought I was safe. I had my gun and everything. And I had, I had like, you know, a vest on and I was like, he goes, I was ready, you know? He goes, and I looked over and there was a freshly killed deer laying right there. And he goes, how did I not see that? How did I not hear that? He goes, there's so many questions going on in my head, and then I'm freaking out, and I'm faced with the reality that this thing, I'm looking dead on at it, and, and my lights are illuminating it. He said the eyes were glowing yellow. He said, and they were literally, it looked like the eyes were changing from yellow to orange. And he's like, and I'm sitting there looking at this thing, and he goes, dude, all the blood was rushing from my head. Like It was just, he said, I thought I was going to go unconscious. He said, and I didn't know what to do. Should I back up or, you know, and, or just gun it? I didn't know what to do. And he said, when this thing put its hand, he said, yes, hand on the hood and just kind of pulled its hand back and made a scraping noise on the top of his truck. Now, this wasn't a big fancy truck. It was an F2, it was an F-150, an older model F-150 or whatever. And it was, it was kind of beat up, but he just, he needed a vehicle, you know? And he goes, dude. I was freaking terrified, man. He goes, and I and I didn't at that point hadn't looked down at its legs or anything like that. I'd only caught glimpses of it. And he had a humongous snout, very wolf-like, very wolf-like head, big, tall ears, everything about it was screaming werewolf, you know. And he said that I backed up and, and just this thing stood there in the road 
and then kind of turned. And then he goes, that's when I saw like the backward bent legs or whatever. He described the legs to me. And that's what, you know, what he told me was these weird dog-like legs. And they just kind of walked back over to where that deer was and it grabbed it and started dragging it off and then kind of lifted it up under its arm. And then, and he said that deer was a humongous buck, which probably, you know, he had just killed it. It looked fresh. Like it was dripping blood. Like, you know what I mean? He probably lucked out that he, that he saw this thing right after I killed a deer because he might have been on the menu. Yeah. You know? He's lucky he didn't try to pull him out of his truck. Yeah. Well, long story short, at this point, that was it. He just, he told his supervisor, he said, I'm not working there. I don't give a crap. And then the guy, the guy he goes into his boss's office and he tells him what happened. And the boss kind of leans back in his chair. He goes, dude, I'll never forget. He just kind of leaned back in his chair and goes, huh? He's like, you're the only one that's been been uh, able to stay there. He's like, the other guys, have, you know, I've gone through three guys. And he goes, really? Because he didn't really know who was working opposite of him. He thought it was the same guy. It was some guy named Cole or something. And then he goes, there was another guy he thought that was taking his place, but he wasn't sure. And he's like, dude, yeah, I've gone through three other guards that, you know, that they just won't work there. And they had him at that point doing five nights a week. And he was like, I don't know what to tell you. I can't work there. That's kind of funny. That as soon as he gets his truck, he becomes it becomes unsafe for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know, think about it. When, when what's really scary about this is, imagine if you were swimming out in the ocean every day for a week, you know, or a month or whatever, and then you always go to the same spot you swim, and then one day somebody reels in like you know a fourteen foot tiger shark, you know, and it's right there where you were always swimming. You know what I mean? And you thought you saw something, but you weren't real sure or whatever. I mean, these things are land sharks. And so, you know, imagine you're just sitting there and for, for days, you know, him and his friend, you know, but he said there was a lot of wildlife that you know, had come through that he saw hogs and, and he saw, you know, deer. So this thing, you know, if it's being a flesh and blood creature, you know, whatever, um, you know, and, and I'll say this, like Linda Godfrey said, you know, that they stay in our plane of existence. They have to be flesh and blood. So whether you believe the flesh and blood all the time, or they're not, doesn't really matter. They do do things like flesh and blood creatures. This thing was probably killing and eating animals. But by the grace of God, it, it didn't kill or eat them. I mean, you know, and I think that it was, it probably would have that one night it was coming into the house and going after him and he ran across the street um, because multiple times he said he saw blood in different spots and the superintendent saw it too. And they were like, he told him, he's this kind of, predator out here or something, you know, that's been killing things. And, uh, you know, then the neighborhood, you know, down the road or whatever that was already built by the same people, they had pets and things going missing. So this thing obviously is a carnivore. It's killing and eating. You know, we don't know that he would have been, you know, killed or eaten, but it's, it's highly likely he could have gone missing because a lot of times people go missing, you know, like, you know, um, but anyway, that that's that story. I mean, you know, just the thought that that thing was there, it really was there the whole time, you know, and they were a actually just exposed, you know, uh, to it, you know. That's a scary thing. I mean, a very scary thing. I mean, you know, I think about that sometimes with the guards that don't have vehicles. You know, I, I like to where they can go and get up, like, up on, like, an apartment complex. They can sit up on a perch, you mm -hmm. know, where they can... Where something can't really get to them the way that, you know, you were down on the ground. Highly yeah, I mean, maybe it's a little more protection. You can maybe fight it off or something, I think, maybe. I don't know. I, I do worry about my guards, not just for that, but all the other crazy stuff that goes on. People getting shot at and lately and 
people getting knives threatened with them, you know, whatever. Things getting stolen. Things getting stolen and people getting big rocks hurled at them by homeless people. It's it's gotten bad, um, really bad, not going to lie. But, uh, you know, but you don't, you don't think of werewolves as that's the least of your worries, really, is werewolves, but they're there. I mean, they are there. And this guy said, look, you know, this is what happened to me. This is true. Um, you know, and here's another one. I got to know. We'll move to the next one. So this next story comes out of a place called Morelia, and it's down in Mexico. And to give you some idea of where this place is at, it's actually uh, west of Mexico City and southeast of Guadalajara. Those are the bigger cities, or the bigger cities around that, like more well known, I guess. What, what's funny about Morelia is that the the people that that uh, own a Mexican restaurant called Morelia. Uh, actually, that's one that used to be one of our favorite places, but they're not here in Austin anymore. The pandemic kind of destroyed it, and unfortunately, but uh, really good food, good all these different types of fajitas, great place. Can't say enough about it. But anyway, the point is they're not here, and, and but they're still out in Elgin. And I always wondered uh, where that name came from. Well, one day I was in there eating, and uh, I, I this was years ago back before the pandemic. And one of the guys, and I, if y'all remember this conversation, it was when we ate dinner with a guy named Ernest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that dinner was very pivotal because from him, we ended up getting a bunch of stories and a bunch of other stuff happened and it just went on and on. But that, the waiter that was there, like, that waited on us, I don't know if you remember him, but he said that he was, his family was the one that owned it and they were from Morelia yeah. and he was the one of the assistant managers there. Uh, he was a younger guy. He was he was real good friends with the. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He he was dating the owner's daughter, whatever. And so so anyway, the the owners, uh, you know, he was real good friends with him. He was assistant manager. And so I ended up getting a story, and this guy reached reached out to me out of nowhere. Just it was out of the blue, just a couple of weeks ago. And he told me he's like, I like your show. I you know, and I've been watching it for a couple of years now. Uh, it was turned on to me. Uh, by this person, I don't know if I should say his name, but the guy that gave us, I think his name was Mario or something like that. But anyway, the waiter told him, and then one thing led to another, and so they started watching the show. And everybody knows if you listen to the show, all it takes is once. And if you are not just completely mental, you'll love it. Um, <laughs> and like I said before, we're very humble people. Uh, but anyway, he tells me, he's like, I got a story. He said, this happened to my burrito. That's his grandfather. And he said, this happened down in Mexico, where we were from. So this was actually, I think he said, about 20 miles uh, south of Morelia, which was like, you know, it, it's it's kind of like I said, down in the bottom of Mexico, but kind of in the interior. And he said that it was a crazy story that was like a family folktale or whatever. But one day he asked his grandfather, after listening to my show and listening to several episodes, he said, dude, I I, I wanted to... And I guess he had reached out to Sal, but unfortunately Sal had passed away already. Um, but he he said that uh, his grandfather said that this was absolutely true. This was not a myth. This was no folktale that they just family story. They like to make up stories, whatever. He said, nope. He said, this happened to my dad. Okay. So that would have been this guy's great grandfather. And he said that his dad uh, was in the military for a long time and he retired and so all he would do is just sit around and whittle, you know, outside and chew tobacco and then complain. 
<laughs> That's all he did. He just complained, complained about the politics, about everything. And he go, I go over there and visit him, and all he would do is complain. And he said that, uh, you know, he, he, his grandfather said, he goes, my dad was just the biggest complainer about everything. And that's all he did. He lived to be 97 years old. And that he was always whittling. That was his thing, you know. And he said that uh, one day he tells him, he says, man, he goes, uh, uh, I like sleeping outside. I wish I could sleep outside still. And he says, well, why can't you? I mean, why, why is that? Why, why don't you? Because he says, you remember when we were a kid and we lived in this other place, you know, they, they had, um, and he said, you know, we had that screened in porch. And he said, yeah, I remember. I love that. I love that house when I was a kid. He goes, well, one night when I was there, he's like, a werewolf attacked me. I mean, just point blank said it like that to this guy. And so his son, uh, his uh, dad, his name is Daniel. And so Daniel, he goes, what are you, what are you talking about? Dad, what are you talking about? And he goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, he's like, I baracho Teresa. This guy, he's, he's drinking, you know, and he's like, he goes, you get, you drink, you know, you go out to drink tequila. He says, have you seen me drinking? He goes, and he's like, yeah, I have. He goes, okay, I was. He goes, but <laughs> doesn't change the fact that it happened. And he's like, but were you drunk? Baracho, you know, he told him, no, man, no. He said, dude, I was, you know, sitting there, you know, on, on the porch. He goes, and I fell asleep. And he goes, and I hear this growling like noise and I, and I was just sniffing whatever. And he wakes up and he sees this thing like literally leering at him, standing over him. And he said it was brownish red. He'll never forget that by the light of the moon, he could see it. And he's like, I look up at it. He goes, and I fell asleep. I had my knife in my hand. And he told him, he says, have you, have you ever wondered where I got the scar on my shoulder? He says, yeah, you got it from the war and the army, whatever. He goes, no, that's not what happened. He told him that, you know, something had blown up by him and that's why he had that. He goes, no, I got attacked by a werewolf. And he's like, come on, mentiras. He said, no. He's like, you're not listening to me. He goes, dude, I want to tell you this. This is real. He's like, because his job, he was kind of like working for a park ranger service, whatever. This is the guy that told me the story. That's his grandfather, Daniel. So Daniel's dad is the one that this happened to. So that would be this guy that told me. So Daniel is working in. Yeah, he's working in the forestry industry, whatever, working like out in the sticks, whatever. He said, I'm worried about you, son, because you're out there working and these things are out there. He said, come on, man, you're kidding. He goes, stop playing around. He said he was starting to get aggravated with his son because he wasn't listening. This is the, the story that his grandfather told him. He said, my dad started getting aggravated. He said, I don't want you going out there into the, into the woods, you know, in, in, out in the middle of nowhere, or, you know, or out in the desert, whatever. He's like, these creatures are out there. They're everywhere. He said, one time, he goes, when I was in the military, he says, we saw one. He goes, clear as day. It walked right out in front of me and my whole uh, unit. And we all just opened fire and, and, and we shot it and it fell. Probably hit it, you know, 18 times. He said, dude, but it got up and it just took off. Bleeding, you know, from all the holes. It was bleeding. It was blood. And he said that when I, when I woke up that, that night, he goes, I, I remember it was, it, was a, it was a warm spring night. He goes, I look up. And this thing is looming over me. And he goes, and I'm looking at it. And he goes, I recognized that thing. He's like, I thought this has to be the same thing I shot years ago. 
they said it probably was about 20, it was 20, over 20 years before. And he said, but it didn't make sense because the one that I shot was black and this one was reddish brown. He goes, but I got this weird feeling that it was like it knew me. And so he thought, I'm either just really unlucky to have run into this thing twice or it's, it's the same thing. And I'll, and I'll tell you what his theory was on this in a minute. He said he just instinctively, he grabbed that knife and he just stabbed at it because it was looming over him. And he goes, I got this impression that it was going to kill me. And so his son, Daniel says, why do you think it was going to kill you? He goes, because it, it, like it was showing me images, like from my mind, his mind to my mind. He's like, I think there was like a link and it was telling me like, I'm going to eat you. Like, I'm going to kill you. He goes, but it didn't speak with words. It was like images. And he goes, right when it opened its mouth, I just went to, I stabbed it right in its chest. He goes, and I had a pretty big knife that I was using to whittle. And usually he goes, it's it's by the grace of God. He said, it was weird. I had a smaller knife that I would sit there and use. He's like, and that day I used a big old knife, you know, that, that was not the normal knife that I used. It was three times the size of my whittling knife because I couldn't find it because my wife had moved it from, uh, from the draw- drawer into the sewing drawer when, by accident when she was cleaning. So it's, it's, it's really weird how that happens, you know. He said right then this, this thing had just opened its mouth and clamped down on his shoulder and lifted him up out of his chair and tossed him through the screen out into the yard. With just its head, he said, then it just jumped out through the screen. It was walking on two legs and kind of slowly walking around me. And he goes, and I grabbed that knife. He goes, I still had it in my hand. <clears throat> he said, and I just plunged it into its foot. It's weird, pawed looking foot. And he said, when I did this, it made this weird noise. It sounded like five or six different people yelling at one time. And he said it was the most ungodly thing he'd ever heard in his life. He said it was terrible. It was like demonic. And he goes, and when I did, blood came out of its foot, but also this white sort of weird looking, acidy looking stuff. And he said that the reason he said that is because the next day he went back and where that blood and that white stuff had hit the ground, it had like killed the, the grass. And he said that this thing just took off running into the, into the woods. And, uh, or into the, you know, into the night, whatever, <clears throat> the brush. And he said it was terrifying. And he said, he just, he goes, I laid there in the yard and I limped back inside. And he goes, and I, and I don't, you know, I don't like doctors. I don't go to doctors, whatever. But he goes, my wife's like, you know, we got to take you to the doctor, whatever. And so they got in, you know, the whatever and they went and they, they went to the doctor and the doctor's like, what did this? And he said, it was a, a, a looked like a, a dog bite. And he, the doctor, he said it was a dog. The doctor said, that's a dog. That's the biggest dog bite I've ever seen in my life, dude. It literally tore like several of his muscles in there and tore his shoulder up real bad to where the rest of his life, he, he his shoulder like had about half of its strength. And uh, he said his grandfather told him that that his dad was a very strong man. And that after that, he just wasn't, you know. And so he just remembers being a little kid and his dad saying that, he had to go to the doctor because a dog bit him. Well, years later, as he got older, he said, dude, this, the, he saw the scar and he told his dad, he goes, how did that happen? And his dad said, I got that in the war. He said, I don't remember like my dad, like walking around with his shirt off that often, you know? And he goes, I was kind of confused because I was like, I thought a dog bit him. 
And he said, well, you know, he's a dad. I thought a dog attacked you or something. And he said, no, no, no. I got that in the war. That dog bite, it it didn't do anything. It was just, it it healed. You know, so he goes, oh, okay. So he's like, like a kid, you don't think nothing of it. You just go, okay. But this guy just told him that. And he, and then he, he grabbed him by his arm and he said, look, the truth be told, you know, he goes, "I, I lied to you. He goes, this thing actually attacked me. He's like, your mother knows the truth. So he says, okay. So he, he played it off. Couple days later, you know, he goes and he he's driving to the store. And he asks his mom, he's like, "Is this is this true? You know, what is this he's telling me? You know?" And his mother, who he said was a notoriously bad driver, and back then all the cars were racking, ping, and steering, and you weren't like. He goes, she had to really concentrate on driving, you know. And he's telling his grandson the story, and he said, "And your grandmother was not a good driver, you know, your great grandmother." And uh, so I was pestering her. So she says, look, if he said it, it's true, it's true. She didn't really want to get into it. And she claimed that that it was something that he had attacked, that they had attacked when they were in the military. But the, the, the crazy thing was his grandfather went to him and said, dude, you've told me that you saw it twice, but it's two different colors. And what his grandfather told him was very interesting to me. He said that he had a friend that he was in the military with that said that these things are like a hive. And those that in that area where they were at, they all live underground, right? And he goes, and they all, if one of them sees something, they all see it. And that their military had actually captured a couple of these things and were able to communicate with them like through, and he didn't know the word and, and, you know, and so he said, you know, through mind, their mind, you know, and he said, okay, so it's telepathy, you know? And I said, yeah, that's, that's, that's the word, you know? He said, yeah, my grandfather didn't know what the word was in English. He said, but they spoke through the mind. And they told him, like, one of us gets hurt, we all know it. If you hurt one of us, we all, you know, whatever. So they were like a hive, these things. So he's, that's why he said it was the same one, even though they're different bodies, they were all just like of one mind. Um, I thought that was interesting that he pointed that out to me because I've wondered that about some of these creatures, about how people say, I'll see different ones. And we and we got that with the Hernandez stories, you know. It was like th- they were all like one big angry hive, you know, that was, you know, and, and it's a pack. I get it. But I think it goes beyond like a wolf pack. I don't think wolves are really mentally, you know, they're not using telepathy. Um, but these creatures seem to be able to do that. And so I thought that was crazy. I thought, you know... It opens up a whole nother level on these things of what they could be or what they are. And so you take that story. And then he said his grandfather told him that years later, after his grand, after his great, his great grandfather died, which was his grandfather's dad, he said, I, after years later, he goes, I was out in the brush, you know, and I was working. At that point, he was working as a, I guess, a game warden. It's like, it's like being a game warden here, but they, they stop people from killing and stuff, animals and stuff. And he said that he was working up in Northern Mexico and he had gone up there and he had investigated a case of livestock being killed. And he said that it was very weird how these animals, they were just torn apart. And so they thought it was like a a jaguar or a puma because, you know, Mexico, they have both. And he said, we thought maybe it was a large cat. When they looked at the prints, the, the cat would not have the claws on the footprints. He said this thing had full-on uh, 
claws and everything, and it was bipedal. Now, he never saw it. He never saw it or whatever that it was. But when he, he asked for a description from one of the witnesses, the witness was kind of just like, you know, kind of reluctant, you know, to tell him. And he said, what, what do you think it is? He says, dude, it, it looked like a werewolf, you know, nombre lobo. And he was like, well, really? And he was like, yeah. He goes, I just, I don't, I don't know any other way to describe it. It's killed all these different animals, you know. Um, and so his, his grandfather was a believer, you know, in this stuff. And so that's the stories he told him. And, uh, this guy told me the stories, you know, and that's, and this, you know, it, it, it gives you, it like, it gives you, like, it makes you pause and think about it, you know, like not every werewolf or dog man, whatever is going to be the same. You know what I mean? Like we, like we, you were talking about that. I think yesterday, Tony, we were having a conversation and you were saying, you know, there's different ki- types. There's all these different types, but you can't say, hey, they're all, it might have been on the live stream. I think it was, it was on, on the live stream we were talking about, yeah. And you were saying something about how there's different types or whatever. And, and people were seeing like these ones that look like bears, but they're not bears. These are bear men or werebears or whatever you want to call them. Uh, and there's different different individuals and they're, and they're in different subspecies or species or whatever. But I thought it was interesting that his, that his grandfather... Uh, told him that story and that his his grandfather's dad had said that these things were actually like a hive. You know, they they have like in their little communities, they're a hive mind. And, and you know, thinking about it now, it kind of actually does make sense seeing as how they use telepathy to communicate, especially since they're showing images. You mm-hmm. would, yeah, I mean, you would immediately recognize if you're being shown images of exactly what attacked you or like being shown images directly, if that's how they communicate, it would make total sense that you messed with one, you, you they all know about it because he just has to send that image out saying like, this attacked me and now everybody knows what that, that is. That thing attacked him. So like 20 years? I mean, do you think it was the it was it was a coincidence or I don't believe in coincidence, but do no. you think it what do you think it was? Well, we, I mean, we talked about them being able to mark before. Yeah. So it could have been some like I'm marking all of you guys. You just mm-hmm. shot me. And, you know, I'm I might not ever get to you. We might never come in contact again, but I'm letting oh, my so people know. Oh, so it's kind of like it's got a wanted poster in their mind. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It's like I'm letting my people know oh, that yeah. you mess with me. Yeah, my people will get in touch with your people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, something that might be even more disturbing, if you think about it, in nature, a hive mind is typically, it's to ensure the survival of a species. It's a defense, it's a survival mechanism, is it not? It's one of the most successful survival mechanisms so in nature. These werewolf-looking creatures, these are apex predators. I mean, like one of them alone can kill anything in the animal kingdom. Well, let's just say one of them alone can kill pretty much anything in the animal kingdom. Let's say they're at the top of the food chain. So against what are they trying to survive to, that, to the that, extent that That's not necessarily true, though. It, it, that that opens up a really cool discussion. Okay, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. You remember Simon the Bull? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, he's famous for you know having killed a dogman, and and the one that he killed was a, a large male dogman. He killed it. But you know as well as I do, you've seen you've gone to bull riding events. I mean, 
bulls, what can fight that thing? You know what I mean? Like a 2,000 yeah. pound animal. There's a reason that the, the bull was so revered just throughout ancient history. You could run like like the people. I I got massive respect for the rodeo clowns. Oh, man. And those guys. And, and they, they saved them cowboys. And them cowboys are brave to get on them bulls. The Folks, dickles. you don't have any idea how bull riding is just so... It takes so much guts. The entire thing takes guts. I mean, it's just these monsters. That's basically what they are. And some of the guys, they're going to be on a show now, I think, on on, uh, Amazon. I think it's coming out. It's called, uh, oh, gosh, I saw the advertised for it. Ezekiel, the the guy, that the the, he's an African-American kid. We met him. I took a picture with him. I hung out with him a little bit over at Scruggs. Uh, He's from the Austin Gamblers. I remember him. They're going to do a a documentary on the Austin Gamblers that's coming out. But uh, it's really crazy, though, when you look at these, this bull and when, when, when the Hernandezes and, and, of course, the Hutchins were telling us about Simon, they were like, this bull was so bad, so mean, so cantankerous that it had killed another younger bull that it had actually sired. They got into it, you know, and, and Simon was uh, just a mean animal. And he'd actually, you know, in that episode with Hernandez Ranch where the the the, the the one of the brothers had gotten down was like had fallen backwards because he was not seeing it, and he turned around and it was there flattened out. You know, that thing was only hiding; it wasn't hiding from them. It was hiding from the bull. So you know, you, and, and the point of this is that that if a bull can kill one of them one on one, there could be a. There's also giant hogs that get just ungodly huge. I mean, you know, th- even though this thing is built for the kill. I mean, they're still like even even a great white going after a seal is going to try to protect itself because seals can actually sea lions can tear its eyes out. I mean, they found great whites with messed up eyes and stuff that you know probably a sea lion. Um, so you when you think about this, you know, because I was watching the thing about it the other day. Um, there's always something out there that can you know like a great white's fear is orcas. See, if these well, dogmen the, wanted to counter. Like let's say a a, a bull or, or a giant hog. It's the pack. Yeah, I mean, it would seem to me that they could do that by organizing themselves into packs. But these things, a hive mind is not the same as a pack. Well, here's the thing, and and that that goes into this. So, go ahead, like, go ahead. what necessitates them organizing into a hive mind? I'll tell you, I mean, like, I'll, is it something I'll more terrifying than them? That, that, it that's, doesn't. Yeah, go ahead. It doesn't necessarily necessarily have to be more terrifying than them. What hunts an apex creature besides another apex creature? Mm-hmm. So these dogmen, let's pretend that there's a world full of dogmen, right? They're going to attack each other. Each other. How are you going to fight that? What if, okay, what if my tribe of people were so in tune with each other that we just instantly, like we all know. It's an advantage. Yeah, it's an advantage in oh, that okay. situation where it's like if you're dealing with other apex and that's your only competition, then yeah, you're going to have to figure out some other way to make it to where you, you Look at how chimps are. Top. They don't get along with other groups. Mm-hmm. If you're from one group, you don't, they do not coexist with each other at all. Um, watch Chimp Empire. I just watched one episode of that the other night. It was like, they were going to war, dude. They were killing each other, and and they're they're mean. But when you think about it, it's not just other dogmen that they got to look out for. Now these things are from the inner earth, which I think this this particular case they are. Yeah. What else lives within the earth? I mean, hell, everything that we we uh, have talked about. Rakes could live. Yeah, in I mean, the we talked about like these big. That they call them draconians, like these big reptilians? giant reptilians. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, not the, just like humanoid ones, mm-hmm. but like just these giant giant reptilians. Things. Yeah. 
Because yeah, like, I was going to throw that out there. Go ahead, Tony. I was going to say, like, I think after a certain level, you every creature just becomes like the apex of like, yeah, we could kill everything. But like everything at that level can kill everything. So then they have to compete with each other. So then that's when you start seeing nature. Mm -hmm. Plus you don't want to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And it's much easier in, in the wild, you know, getting hurt could be a death sentence. So, you know, you try to keep from getting hurt. That's why whenever a, a shark makes a mistake with a seal, that seal could turn and bite its eye or claw its eye or something. And then it's, it's hindered the rest of its life and it could go, it could die. So, you know, even being a big, bad, great white, you still have that and you have orcas to contend with. And um, there's no, like, just simple reason. Look at how t in tune orcas are with each other. You would think that one of them by themselves could just go out on their own and kill everything. No, but they stay together. No yeah, matter they stay what. together, and because there's got to be something else out there that they're that intimidates to a degree where they don't want to be by themselves. You know what I mean? And we know that pack animals are better at, at survival, and then hive mind animals are even better. Can you imagine a pack hive mind animal? That's a terrifying thing because then you have like a bond of a pack, but then you have like that absolute control of a hive man, mm -hmm. where it's like we're bonded because you, you know, just know what each other's thinking we know doing. each other's thinking because but we also have that connection with each other where it's like we, we this is more than just family this is this everything and one thing we've left out too is bigfoot mm -hmm. i mean bigfoot are fighting with dogman all the time i mean in fact we're going to do a show about it pretty soon about just the the, the fighting between these two species um so if you're a dogman you know and you're living under the earth within the earth and you have your own pack you have to worry about the other dogman packs the other types, and then you have to worry about Sasquatch, which is ever, you know, present, you know, they're everywhere. And then you have to worry about humans, you know, and, and humans can be dangerous too. I mean, we're shooting and doing all kinds of crap. And then you have to worry about the reptilians. Rakes, you know, I mean, there's all everything. the other creatures. There's a lot of advantages and reasons that you'd be in the hive mind. Yeah. And, and but that's even just looking at the apex level of it. If we look at it from the opposite view of the prey level, Wolves didn't become packs to protect them. It's like that's a factor of it, but they also did it to make it easier to hunt. To hunt, yeah. Yeah, so like you you, you could use it in that same uh, way where it's like, oh, if we were a hive mind, hunting would become so much easier. So that, that could be a, how they evolved into it that way too. If these things really are truly demonic, it would make a lot of sense that they're a hive mind because that's what we are legion or legion for we are many. That's many. what that means. And, and one thing I know, like, no matter how crazy the supernatural is, you're always going to be surprised by nature. Mother nature is just as wild as the supernatural. And if you don't believe me, look up the moonjack deer. It's an M-U-N-J-A-C deer. These special deers have holes. They look like holes in their face. And they, they flare out and they move. And what they are, they actually collect scents. And it's one of the wildest things you ever see because it looks like a cut-up deer and these holes, these they flare out this fleshy-looking substance, and it goes back in, flares out, and it, it looks like something you'd see in Avatar. It's it's one of the wildest uh, creatures I've ever seen. That's just natural. That's nature. So you can imagine what kind of wild stuff the unnature can bring together. Yeah, yeah. So. Anyways, folks, leave us your thoughts uh, in the comments section. Try to keep it clean and don't be uh, snarky and mean. And uh, we love you all. Thank you for tuning in. Paranormal Roundtable for me, Anthony, Tony, everybody. I want to say good night. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys joining us. Thank you and good night. Good night. <laughs>